Welcome back to Rob Gill's Epic Financial Strategies Podcast. If you like what you're hearing and want to learn how to take action on your financial future, click the link in our bio to speak to us directly. To learn more about how you can achieve financial freedom, subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow Rob Gill all over social media. Financial freedom awaits. As we enter tax season 2023, it's important not just to get a write-off. I get it. 401k, IRA, you get a write-off, but it's not a tax savings. I'm not saying it's not smart, but it is a tax postponement that results in substantial lost opportunity costs, no disability benefits. Anyway, it's better to do it than not to do it, but I really want you guys and gals to think about what it's like in the next three, five, ten years. All you entrepreneurs that understand how uh, if you ask yourself the right question, things begin to conspire. What does it look like from a tax strategy standpoint? What does it look like from understanding, hey, I want to get a rate of return, not chase it, but also keep it and protect it from the invading forces of the 85,000 IRS agents that are coming to get my money because that's happening real time, folks, so you better be ready for it. What does all that look like and who you're working with? And I got my partner with me, Alexa Criojo. We're going to get in here. We're going to talk about the five different ways to protect your wealth. Right. Yep. Real important that we get into these different, you know, action steps. And the first thing is for me, I like to say, well, it's easy to diversify a portfolio, but it doesn't protect you if the market goes down. I like to talk about diversifying within asset classes. And then if I do that, I could spread the risk and now have a different mindset because I'm saving money. It's going to these different asset classes. And no matter what kind of, you know, economic seasons our way, whether it's winter, spring, summer, fall, Right now, we're high stepping through the winter season. We like to really kind of get into those asset classes. For you, you've been in the game now for a couple of years seeing different things. What does that look like in your mindset when you're talking to your either friends, family, or clients? I think that the most important thing that I've been able to realize, right, is there's more than one avenue um, when it comes to investing, right? Yep. The first thing that people always think of is the, is the stock market, yep. right? It's marketed everywhere. Um, that's the first thing people think of, but they don't realize that putting all your eggs in one basket, even if within that, within that asset class it is diversified, it's actually more risky yeah. than anything else, yeah. right? So finding even different businesses, different industries that are not correlated with each other can provide a lot of protection overall yeah. as you are building your wealth, like you said, saving and investing in these different vehicles. So wait, let me ask you a question because you just said something real powerful because I think back to 2000, 22, 23 years ago when the internet stocks were running wild, right? So at that point, I was 30 years old, right? You, you, you just got out of COVID. You just got out of, you know, uh, TikTok and, and, and cryptos and Bitcoins and all these other things. When you were in college or in the first part of your professional career over the last three to five, seven years, what do they teach you folks about investing in asset classes? What was some of the language amongst your peers on what to do with your money? I remember the first thing I learned, which at that point blew my mind, right? That was like a, a new a base camp increase, right? Like you like to say. It was dollar cost averaging, right? Um, making sure you're putting money aside and investing in the stock market, right? Making sure that you're putting it somewhere where it's going to be working for you on some level. Yep. And, um, and not just putting it in a bank account. But these were the teachers or the, your friends? Like, was this the professors or was this like your peer groups? Oh, peer groups. And when I first stepped into the financial industry, that's the first thing that I learned, right? Okay. I mean, all I knew was 
uh, buy term, invest the difference. Yeah, right? and then put the difference in the stock market. In the stock market, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, so and by the way, I'm not saying, and we're not saying there's anything wrong with that. I think what we're saying is, as we've come across some of these high-level entrepreneurs, some of these mega business owners, and by the way, they didn't show up as a me mega business owner. They really put their time in, and they have a brain science on how to go from hello to yes to get there and own multiple business, really kind of collapse time. Sean Callagy loves to collapse time when it comes to really understanding how to get multiple businesses. Copy that from Tony Robbins as well as Chris Crone. But what's really interesting to me is as we come across these folks, the entrepreneur has a different mindset. Were you always an entrepreneur and do you resonate with entrepreneurs versus business owners that may not be entrepreneurs? I think I, w I always have been, um, but I did... I was a good student. Whatever I was taught, I followed to the T, right? But then I realized that I was, as I started to understand whatever that was that I was learning, I asked more questions. Yes. And I realized eventually that my questions were getting harder to answer from that particular person that was mentoring me at the time. Okay. So my mind opened up. So Got there it. has to be more. There has to, there's not a cookie cutter roadmap for every single person. Yeah. And I mean, even alone with the clients that we speak to, I mean, everyone has... A lot of success in their own ways, but in in such interesting businesses and mm. business models. So yep. you start to really understand it's not it's not just this. Yeah. Right. There's a lot more. Yeah. And 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 folks, if you're watching, I think what Alexa just touched on, which I thought was unbelievable, and it stands true for all of us. And you know, I went through this as well. Your mentor is a good person, presumably. But that doesn't mean they're always going to be your mentor. And I want to be real clear. You want to make sure that whoever you're investing your time, energy, and even money into, that they are proven winners in their space, not on the decline either. They want to be on the come up. You want to make sure that your match plus, meaning whatever they're doing, just add a little 5 or 10% to it, and really be able to follow what they're doing so you can stand on their shoulders. And this is what we talk about, why it's important to do that, because if you are shrinking time, or collapsing time, what's happening is you're turning decades into days and you don't have to make, make the mistakes that they made. And it really comes down to being a student that is really I dot and T cross. And Alexa just said it best when she talked about she was a good student. She followed the path. She, you know, and, and her and I speak privately from time to time. And she goes, you know, one of the things that you do, you don't follow the path. But once you know what an outcome is and there's a deadline on time, that's when you speed up. Right. So that's you're really genius. true. Yeah, because. <laughs> Thank you. And I appreciate that because yeah. what's true about that is whenever, if you have a goal with a deadline versus a goal, a goal with a deadline forces action. A goal with no deadline puts you in a position where it just kind of, it, it's better Write than not down. having a goal, right? <laughs> goal with a deadline forces action. So, you know, the next thing I want to get, get into, and, and I know you're really good at this, you're a phenomenal saver. Talk a little bit about the importance of an emergency fund. Well, I think when you are finally in a position where you're making money, Right. Income is coming in. It's, it's steady or you have a system down because not everyone gets paid on a schedule. It's so important to pay yourself first, even if you don't know what you're going to put your money towards and invest in. But you need to make sure you're not you're not outliving your lifestyle. Yeah. Right. Lifestyle inflation is a real thing. Yes, it is. Right. You start making more money than you're than you used to. And you may feel like you need certain things that you didn't need before. And it puts you in a position where you, you know. You, you could be putting yourself in a better position. So I, I think what you, and let me just repeat this, clarify and verify. I think what you said is psychologically, mm -hmm. if all of a sudden inflation invaded your money, 
because it could be potentially shrinking. You may buy things that you don't have to buy just because you think you're coming from a fear of pain or fear of loss. Is that is that what you just shared? I just think or did I miss? I like lifestyle inflation means that all of a sudden you're living a higher, you're increasing your lifestyle okay. just because more money is coming in. Got it. Right? Got so it. you are not properly managing your money because as mm. you know, there's people who make a lot of income. Mm. But if you are spending 99% of it, you're still left with the 1%. So let me ask you this, because I think you're a phenomenal saver based on some of the conversations that we had. If you made 50 grand, let's say in 2019, and then you made, a, I'm making up numbers, folks, this isn't real, made 100 grand in 2020, 150, 2021, 200,000 in 2022. Do you have the same mindset of saving as you increase in your income or do you just save the same number? In other words, it, when you made 50 grand, if you save 10 grand, but now you made 200 grand, would you still save 10 or do you scale that up based on your increase in income? That's a great question. And when I come across clients that that you know we have this conversation i like to tell them to focus on a percentage rather than a number mm. right because and i'm going to use easy numbers because you know yep. a thousand a month you save a hundred bucks it's ten percent yep. if you are now making 10 grand a month and you're saving a hundred bucks it's going to feel really good because you're putting money aside but you just went from saving ten percent to one percent meaning wake up the rest of it you're probably you're probably spending it is in that, ways you shouldn't. Is that what you're calling inflation spending? Lifestyle inflation. Lifestyle, yeah, do it the lifestyle inflation. Lifestyle inflation. Yeah. So when we talk about emergency fund, it gets played out two ways. Number one, if there's both spouses working, you want three months of fixed expenses. So if an unexpected event comes, you don't have to take money out of your stock portfolio, which is probably down. But if there's a single earner, you want to have six months, right? Yeah. So. So what you basically shared is to make sure that, yeah, get your six months in order, get your three months in order. If your income is increased, then keep the percentage going with your income. And oh, by the way, make sure your I, dot, and T cross along the way. Uh, you've been at two places. Yep. Um, the first place you learned where to really, a lot of things not to do. Mm -hmm. And now you're here, at, but, but you learned what hard work is. I don't think you were foreign to that. Um, but now you're here at Epic. It's a different game for you. It's a different acceleration. Oh, yeah. What do you tell these folks right now that as they have years where there's no money and that money does come in to avoid those kind of spending habits? Because I think you did a successful job at that um, where you were struggling, right? And then all of a sudden you had some good opportunities, but you didn't step in and spend it in a bad way. And I think that's a psychological thing. But there's a lot of people that are like you, that are coming up the way you did, that, that may need to hear that. And not just go buy an expensive car because someone told them to do it because it's gonna make it work harder. Silliest thing I've ever heard in my life, by the way. If you buy a expensive car, beep that out. If you buy a expensive car because it's gonna make you work harder, you've already lost, go ahead. Yeah, I think it comes down to getting down to your, your habits, your core habits. It's so important because those go with you no matter what kind of success you have. Right. So for me, not that I didn't make those mistakes because I did, we you all know, did. I, I mean, I've got, I, yeah. I've been in debt yeah. and we all it, fall short of glory. Right. Yeah. And for, for those folks that are in debt at this moment, I would say, don't be so hard on yourself because debt is just a result of past actions. Mm. Right. So that is an old, an old you. And to move forward, it's about, like I said, pay yourself first. You need to make sure you know, even psychologically, you're the most important person in your financial world. And after, like you said, that three Love months, it. six months, whatever that is, anything above that you can say is play money. Yeah. You are going to you are going to find an opportunity to make that work for you yeah. while Can I ask you a question for you, Alexa? Mm -hmm. um, do you have outcomes that you want to achieve over the next year or two that keeps 
leverage on yourself to make sure that you're staying on that path, even as financial success comes your way. Outcomes that I want yeah. financially. Yep. Um, I want to retire my mom. Talk about it. Yeah, that's my uh, number one outcome. <laughs> she has given me the, like you say, stand on people's shoulders. Yep. She gave me the, that that opportunity, you know, to to work to to not be so successful financially, but still keep the dream alive. Because as an entrepreneur, and I'm and I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs here can relate. It it's not glorious all the time. Sometimes yep. it sucks. And so when you have that support system, which I know not a lot of people do, I was lucky enough to have that. So it is up to me to have to give back. How was that? Can you talk about how that support system served you in some of the most challenging moments that kept you going? Um, I would say that... Because you were selling life insurance out of a subway at one point. Not that that's bad. <laughs> yeah. Not that that's bad. That's an honorable work ethic that I've never seen. Personally, I've never seen that before in my experience, which I think and is incredible. And it worked to some degree. <laughs> I'm sure it did. I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure it was outstanding. I'm sure there's people that are really good. I, I just never knew about that until you shared that with me. But talk about that your why is to retire. One of your whys is to retire your mom, mm -hmm. right? So if you retire your mom, that gives you juice and leverage every day to show up. Yep. Show up in a meaning, not just show up, but in a meaning congruent way, meaningful congruent way. Can you talk about some specific times or specific pivot points that whatever her message was kept you on point, even in your darkest moments? I think a very distinct moment in memory I have is I was negative in my bank account and I always found a way to figure it out though. I, I never ever asked for money. Mm. And she asked me, she's like, do you need, I was like, no, no. She's like, okay, cause she, cause she's, she could see Mom still <laughs> my sees account. Her bank account. Yeah. <laughs> she could see and she's like, are you sure? I'm like, I'm fine, don't worry, you yeah. know? And I think she just let me, she let me be, she didn't judge. I felt no judgment, even mm. when I made bad decisions and I, I got myself into debt. Really, I think that was an emotional thing. Yep. Um, and she didn't judge me. Yeah. You know, she she was like, "It's okay, it happens." And that it really changed everything for me because I was nervous to admit that even being in the financial industry, that I still made a mistake, and and having the education I had versus what she's, you know, had in her life. Yep. So she didn't make me feel guilty. She didn't make me feel judged. And that just gave me kind of the boost I needed to keep going. Because I knew I was on to something. Like, I knew I could succeed in this business. And so I, I didn't give up. When was this, though? What point in time? Was this at your first spot or your second spot? First. Okay. Yeah. So so that got you through a tough... Was that early on in the first spot? Or towards... I mean, I was, no, I was like a year and a half okay. in. So you hit, you hit like a little bit of a negative patch. Got yes. It. And, and listen, if you're in the insurance space, it takes time from hello to yes. If you meet somebody today and everything works out perfect and you do a really good plan, it may take 60 or 90 days to get paid. Yeah. Right? And I may have followed... Uh, what you just told people not to do and don't do that, where it's, I'm going to buy this because I'm, I'm just going to force my. Me oh, because someone to, told you that. Yeah. yeah. Someone said buy an expensive Lifestyle product. inflation. Yeah. I was a victim. Yeah. When I was on Wall myself. Street, some guy, I don't even know where he is now, told me I should get the most expensive car because it's going to force me to work harder. That, I mean, listen, I'm going to say that again. That is the most, that's terrible advice. That is the worst. <laughs> and anyone that preaches about it, call me privately. I'll help you out. So the next thing that we could kind of get into is the power of life insurance. You and I both come from the same school of overfunding policies because there's guarantees, very small guarantees. But it's really about leveraging those policies for other asset classes 
So money moves in and out of assets or asset classes and we stay ahead of inflation, taxes, lost opportunity costs and fees. Yep. You coming from a different space and time than me, right? You're under 30. You have a lot of people that are in your world that think the way you think. Do they get turned off when you mention the word life insurance as one of these tools? And oh, yeah. how do you have that conversation? Oh, yeah. It, I mean, there's so many, so many benefits to life insurance. Death benefit being the last one, yep. right? But, you know, I'll highlight the the ones that not a lot of people talk about. Yeah. It is poorly marketed, in my opinion. I agree. But um, They shouldn't even call it death benefit. I know. They should call it, like, life benefit or something. <laughs> life accelerant. Yes, because there's a lot of living benefits to it. Economic accelerating model or something. But, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. It is poorly marketed. I agree. Yeah, the worst poorly, the worst marketed product in the financial industry, if you ask me. And um, it's a scary topic because no one wants to contemplate their own death. Yes, but I agree. there's a lot of living benefits to it. You know, putting your money into a vehicle like this allows you to have leverage yep. and still a lot of control and liquidity when you're looking to deploy those into other assets yeah. that will you know strategically help you get another rate of return yeah. on those same dollars yeah so you deal with a lot of clients right now so clients will start a policy with you let's say they do a thousand a month i'm just making up a number but what does the overfunding look like they just come in and dump in a hundred grand knowing they could take it out and buy real estate is that one of the plays Pretty much. How excited are they when they realize they could do that and no one ever told them that before? Well, the number one question I get is, is this real? Yeah. And I said, yeah, it yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. So you're welcome for, for teaching you about yeah. this. Yeah. And one of the things that you do for your clients is um, you're instrumental, not only in coordinating a lot of different things, but you create the personal financial website, right? Which is the link for the Epic Wealth Builder. Oh, yeah. How excited do clients get? Because this is important if you understand the difference between emotional timidity, gut level hunch, which is just buying something to buy something, versus organization in anything in your life. But let's talk about money and all your different financial institutions. Imagine if they're organized and systematized every day and you don't really have to do anything. How excited do people get when they see that model? Oh, so excited. Speaking on the Epic Wealth Builder, I want to give a major shout out to Nick Cavuto. Yes, Nick. Right? Because with the Epic Wealth Builder, we don't guess, we test. Tying into the fact that, hey, we're not going to just buy something. We're going to stress test what we buy. We got organization. We got structure. For all the guys out there, just think of it this way. Who has a sock drawer where your socks don't match, <laughs> the underwear is five years old, it doesn't fit you anymore, and there's no structure <laughs> in the organization, and you got to find it in the laundry basket, right? Versus every day if you wake up, the underwear is folded, it's nice and warm, the socks match, whether it's your sweat socks, your dress socks, and you don't even have to think about it. That's what the Epic Wealth Builder is to your money, mm -hmm. and that's why Nick says you don't have to stress your test. I love it. So let's get to the next topic where I think that, and we just talked about life insurance and the importance of banking on yourself or becoming your own bank and getting multiple uses. But now let's talk a little bit more about the importance of having a plan, right? What does a plan look like when it comes to your money time freedom? Um, number one, making sure you're not spending more than you make. Um, number two is making sure you know intentionally where that those dollars are going to go. Yeah, so, and, and I think you'll relate to this. There's, because you are such a great student of either David Meltzer, Sean Callagy, uh, Ed Milet, you know, Randy Garn is somebody that you're starting to study now more and more. Um, I know Dr. Joe Dispenza is one of your favorites. Yeah. So you research all this stuff in a way that's got me wildly impressed more than I actually do. Truth be told, great student that knows how to follow the path. Here it is, though. There's something that is so simple. It's called the pain pleasure principle. And this is where people's wires get mixed up. 
there's a lot more pain in the loss of an investment than the joy of a gain in an investment. For example, if I if I bought a boxing promotional company in 2009 for 100 grand and I have nothing to show for it 5, 10, 15 years later, I may have relationships, but as far as that dollar amount, the law, it was just a terrible investment. So that pain is still with me versus the joy of a gain of an investment. It's still the same thing when it comes to your money. The goal is never to lose money, right? The goal is to diversify, once again, within and amongst asset classes. And when I come across folks, and this is where scarcity mindset comes in, if it's not handed down generationally, people get nervous to pull the trigger because they may have invested in something and their wife could be mad about it now, or the husband could be mad about it now, and they didn't have real good communication. The investment didn't work, but that doesn't mean you stop, right? It means that you really have to understand what your relationship with money is. And if you understand that, and you could get tied into really your core values when it comes to money, then I believe Epic Wealth Builder, strategic planning, structuring of all your dollars like Stealth Ninja, it becomes a different play. Can you talk a little bit about any kind of experiences either personally or with a client about that pain, pleasure, loss, the the, the loss being more powerful than the actual gain? Um, I have a personal story. Okay. So my father passed away in 2020. Rest in peace. From COVID. Yep. Thank you. And funny, you know, bringing life insurance back into the conversation at that point, I mean, before he passed away, I was in the business. I was a brand new agent. And the traditional model is you explore your warm market. You get trained by your trainee, trainer, whatever. What is a warm market just for people that okay. are watching? Warm market is friends and family, okay. right? So some of my first clients were people that I knew, people in my, in my own network. So without knowing and understanding the advantages and disadvantages of all financial products, which is something that we talk about so much, we replaced a policy that my parents had at that at that time because I wanted, well, for my benefit and the train and for training purposes, to be my client now at this new firm. Got it. So so friends and family, um, I'm not saying the teaching said to replace, but that was something that, you know, maybe they talked about, hey, if someone you know, dad, mom, cousin, niece, nephew, whatever has a policy, these are good opportunities to replace so you get credit with our company being an agent is that what you're talking about yes okay and it wasn't fully explained i didn't really understand what my parents had at that moment it was told i was told it was bad okay and so i the policy was bad that the, the policy that they had enforced was bad can i ask what kind of policy it was whole life <laughs> yeah it was bad, right? Something that was you. guaranteed for life. Yeah. <laughs> Telling you, I came from buy-term invested difference mentality. Yeah. So to anyone who's in that mindset, anything outside of that is bad, which is already suboptimal. We don't use those yeah. that kind of language. But so it was replaced, but for a lower amount of death benefit overall that they had at that time. Question. When it was replaced, did you know it was for a lower death benefit at that time? So did you understand what happened? You know, I, I, we were focused on what the payment was going to be. Got so you lowered the payment. We lowered the payment and Got that low, it just, it went in hand in hand because they were older at that point. Can you tell me what the payment was and what it went to? Because I want to say something to the people in a second. So it went from 200 a month each. Yeah. 400. Yep. 400 as a household to a hundred. Yeah. So folks, if you have whole life and it's older and it's been in place, you don't have to pay for it no more. So even if you can't afford the 400, 
There are things that you could do within that policy, whether it's loans, non all these different things. You could use your dividend to offset your outlay. Um, you could reduce it if you wanted to, to a smaller death benefit. Or if it's that rich, you could have the policy kind of go on automatic pilot. Yes, it'll pick up loans, but yes, the death benefit will go higher each year, so it'll stay hand in hand. They probably didn't share that with you, but anyway. No. Um, so you replaced it for, for, you're like, hey, mommy, hey, daddy. You're going to go from 400 a month to 100 a month, right? Is that right. kind of the conversation? Yeah. All and in you're all. brand new in the business. Brand new. Got it. So I get that goes towards you know, my credit and yeah. it's a celebration. Yep. Okay. So so the insurance people celebrate these sales yes. in, in front of the whole team. Yeah. Right. So this is why, thank you, this is why we don't do that. We don't celebrate like, uh, you know, trip points, you get to go on these trips. We celebrate clients overfunding policies and us making less money so the client can experience the banking strategy that puts money back into their pocket where it belongs. And by the way, at the end of the day, if it sits and fits with their core value. So I'm not a GA. I don't make money off of someone coming in with their natural market. I'm a person here at Epic that's created a model and a methodology to drive opportunity. So Folks in my business who were never taught to sell the right way have guaranteed 30, 40, 50 appointments a month so they get better through the process. Anyway, you replace the policy, they cheered for you, and that would happen. Yeah, so all good. Um, yeah, and yeah. I was like, woo, made it. I learned something, kind of. And What not to do. What not to do, 100%. Yeah. And less than two years later, mm. COVID happened and my dad passed away. When he got sick. Did you look at it? I did. Okay. But I already knew. You were in denial. I already knew that I messed up yeah. at that point. I had a lot of faith that he was going to survive. Yep. He didn't. Yep. And as soon as he passed, the first thought that crossed my mind was mm -hmm. <laughs> because we we would have had I mean we lost over $200,000 that would have come into the household to help with everything, right? I mean, and this just goes to show your life can change like that mm. in, in a second, in a second. And it's unexpected. And if you are not prepared, those external, unexpected life things that happen can put you in a really bad place financially. So you can do all the right things. But there's things you can't control. So when it happened, what was your conversation with at home? So, again, thank you, Mom, because she didn't make me feel guilty. Wow. At all. That's great. I mean, I think at that moment, they didn't. They may not have really understood. I wasn't, I wasn't shouting from the rooftops of, of like what it actually was. But, I mean, we maybe got $30,000 after mm. he passed. And it was... Yeah, it was not a good feeling. Yeah. And were you all. able to forgive yourself? I think I'm still in that process. Because you always tell people to forgive themselves. I see your videos if you're <laughs> having a bad day. So have yeah. you forgiven yourself? Um, I do over and over again yeah. because it's, it is a process. of. So when the feeling you know. creeps up, what's usually happening when that feeling creeps up? Is it something that, um, you know, mom may not be able to get something that she wants and then you think of it? Like what creeps up in your system that you have to forgive yourself again? My mom works a lot. Yeah. So when she's coming home late and okay. I can't do anything about that. Got it. 
I'm like, damn. Like yeah. the the thought crosses my mind, but I can't stay in that space. Yeah. So. Do you ask yourself a different question? How do you snap out of it? This is for folks that if they need to learn how to snap out of something. Like what is something that works really? Because your scale and your growth in this company has been tremendous, especially the last five months. I mean, the, just look at what's happening. What are the things that you do? I know you show up. I know you're there to help and serve other people at all times. I see it every single day. But what are some of the questions that you ask? Or what are some of the things you do? Or your rituals to help you get through that? I mean, if, I, if I'm thinking of questions I ask myself, it's more how can I use this yep. to push me forward awesome. in a positive way? I always knew that my dad's passing was going to result in something positive. Okay. I wasn't going to, I had already made that decision that it was going, something good was going to happen. So, yeah. you know, I may tell the story to myself that this happened for a reason, yep. that it was to push me yep. forward and to stay motivated. Awesome. Well, I, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. And I hope you folks got something good out of that um, because at the end of the day, it does come down. If you're not careful, you'll be more connected to the pain of a loss than the joy of a gain. And that also goes into your thinking and the wiring of your thinking. In other words, if you're an athlete or a struggling athlete that had some painful experiences, you'll avoid working real hard and having belief that uh, you could break through because if you work real hard and get to that next big game and it doesn't happen, it may reinforce into your thinking that this pain's too much. All right, let me move on to the last piece. This is number five. Yep. Maintaining a budget. We talked a little bit about it at the top, but let's get big into it right now because as economic freedom, financial freedom, and money flow comes our way and we're used to saving 5, 10, 15, 20% or percentage points, how do you tell people not to keep up with the Joneses and continue to save? When their girlfriends, boyfriends are trying to spend their money. I think the biggest thing that I tell people is conscious spending. I don't like the word budget. Mm, yes, budget has bad energy. Yeah. I, I like, like that. It. it feels like, ugh. It feels like you're restricting. I got a budget. Yeah. Like, why are you holding me back, Mr. Money Man? Stop holding me back. <laughs> yeah. I don't want a budget. I want Kevin wants that. He just wants the money bags. That's it. <laughs> Why you got to hold me back like that? Budget. Budget is a, a financial planning term. It's in the College of Financial Planning. So what's the word you use? Conscious spending. Conscious spending sounds. Oof. Yeah. There's things financially you, fruitful. <laughs> there's things you will always find money for. Tell right? me. Because yeah. every single person's happiness and lifestyle and, and they have different needs and mm. wants. Right. So when you say don't keep up with the Joneses, it's. It, it's they're going to go keep up with the Joneses. You right? shouldn't, right? Because it's, it's, Especially it's, if you say, don't do it, they're going to do it. What you resist, persists, right? If yeah. I'm going to resist the Joneses, I'm going to persist it privately when no one's looking. True. So I tell you, consciously spend your money. What means something to you? What would you... What, tell me more about that. That sounded really good. Yeah. What What is important to you in your world that you will always find money for? Mm. Right? So it's those things. It's evaluating, right? Cutting out things that is a waste. I think I like when you've said in the past, you respect money. Yeah. Right. So I think that's really important. So it's not about holding it. Oh it's no. about when you're spending it intentionally. Deploying it like stealth ninjas. Yep. Right. Exactly. And, and you just said something really good. that made me think about something else, because if we're talking about compensating unconscious, what? conscious spending, conscious spending, it also brings me to the place. And, and, and I went through this myself where there was a time that, that, my disrespect towards money was the second I, it was in my pocket, I couldn't wait to get it out of my pocket for all suboptimal things, right? Yep. Because money has a charge. It does. And money makes a version of you either the greater version or the worse version, and it's always proper 
And this is where all your studying is coming into play. It's always proper to get right within first. So we know that the Epic Wealth Builder is a measurement tool, right? So, you know, it's going to show what you're saving. That keeps you on track. And we talked about conscious spending, which is a replacement for the word budget, which has negative energy, at least for the way we're, we're talking right now. But you're a student of, once again, these five folks that I just mentioned earlier. How does that play into where you're going to be in the next three or five years when it comes to your money, your money acceleration, and being able to replace and duplicate what you're doing? to make your word felt and your mission heard? So I would say, number one, I'm super grateful for everything that I've learned in these past five years alone. It has been life-changing. And the right thing to do and, and what drives me every day is to be able to share this information with other people that were me five years ago. Yes. Right? Because totally get that. I, I believe deeply that money makes you more of who you are. Yep. And the more I have, the more I have to give. Yep. Right? So I'm always focused on getting the message out, helping other people have that, that aha like moment. aha moment. It's yep. the best when they, they start to see things in a different way and mm. start attracting what it is that they want financially. At the end of the day, it really does, it does impact us in everything that we do. Yes. Right? And for me... Like I mentioned, one of my biggest whys is being able to retire my mom. I'm going to fire her. Yep. Fire mom. <laughs> fire her. Mom, you're fired. And and being able to continue to create experiences for my family ah, that they've never had or it. could even imagine. Got I it. have them up here. Yeah. So it's about making them real. Yeah. So that's so that's that in the next three or five years. Um, can you actually see? That not only you're going to fire your mom, retire her, but you're going to have, you know, this family dream thing that you want to have. Is it, is it becoming something you could see in your mind's eye? Yes. Awesome. So first of all, Alexa, thank you for digging deep. I mean, we we really knocked into a lot of different things. We talked about the five best ways or the best five ways to preserve your wealth. And this still comes back. You know, let me go to the top. It is tax season, right? You want to plan accordingly, knowing where you want to be in the next one or three, five, ten years. If Alexa's going to plan on doing things in the next three to five years, she has to plan this tax season, what that looks like then or in the future. Not to but always stay present, that's the key. If you have any questions, go ahead, click the link below. Um, if you wanna meet one of the folks here at Epic to have a sit down, no obligation to take you through our success process, we'd love to do that. If you, wanna, if you want us to do any kind of videos, put it in the comments below, tell us what kind of videos you're looking for. Either way, continue to like and subscribe and thank you so much for checking us out. Alexa, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you for having me. Awesome job, super excited, can't wait to watch and see what happens over the next three or five years. That's it for today with Rob Gill and the Epic Financial Strategies Podcast. Be sure to hop to iTunes or Spotify to subscribe and tune into all the podcasts. Also, be sure to follow the Rob Gill YouTube channel and Rob Gill social media channels. We'll see you on the next podcast.